Would you open God's precious holy word to the Revelation chapter 21? And we've come to verse 9, and I hope to finish the rest of the chapter here tonight. It's always exciting, I guess. to move into a new home, to see the things that you didn't have before. Well, this is the beginning of the tour of your new home. I was listening to a preacher or heard about what he had said anyway. And this was just recently. He was saying that, you know, there's just a, an uneasiness in his spirit that living around here just is different and it makes him uneasy. He's just not at home, I guess what he's trying to say. Well... That's, that's the way a believer should feel, especially in these recent days. And I suppose they'll get worse. And things will never be the same. So we shouldn't feel at home, really, in this life. But here's home. I don't know how long it's been time-wise when we think about the white throne judgment, the judgment of the wicked dead, how long did that take? Is it just a, it says the books are op were opened and that seems to indicate that every single lost person having been spewed up from the grave, stands before the throne. That part of the book that applies to him or her, charges will be read. The law will be read and applied because there's no other substitute. There's no way out. And maybe one at a time they're given the opportunity to argue their case. I just don't know. I, it doesn't go into that much detail. But the fact that the books were opened would indicate that. And one guy said, you know, if you think about how many people might be there, because the Lord tells us that there are more who go through the broad gate to destruction than there are who go through the narrow gate. We could be sitting there for five million years listening to these people argue their case or to listen just to the charges brought against them. I don't know about all that. I suppose we might see somebody coming up next in line and I might punch the next guy and say, I want you to be quiet. I need to hear this. I knew that guy. Only here's book read. I don't know. 
But whatever that took and then the creation of the new heaven and the new earth and now coming down from God out of heaven, the new Jerusalem. So John continues this awe-inspiring account. And John just does the best he can. He sees things that, of course, would have been unknown to him then, but then let's just, for the, for the sake of delineation, let's just call this the eternal state. I know it goes on eternally from there, but there's still a measure of time, and I don't want to argue the point or whatever, but let's just call this the eternal state. A new heaven, a new earth, what kind of materials? What does this, you know, the locomotion of energy. What is it? Uh, Wiest was a great Greek scholar. Oh, a hundred years ago, I guess. And he took certain scriptures. He had a he had a portion that he wrote in his Greek commentary. He had a portion he called uh, gleanings, let's see, gleanings from the Greek gems or something like that. And he would get, by using a Greek word that was used in various uh, texts, he would make commentary. And one of his commentaries was on the Greek, in the Greek Testament, the reference to light. He would go back, though not a Hebrew scholar, yet he would still go back and draw upon certain things in the Old Testament, mainly upon things in the New Testament. Everything that the Apostle John says about light, who, is, who wrote more prolifically regarding light versus darkness, than any of the other New Testament writers. Paul had a, just a handful of references to the light. So he took all that from the Greek text, he put it in its, in its context, and then he, he just you know, rumbled it around and come up with a thought that seemed to be a prevailing thought. And in his discussion about light, he surmised that in the glorified body, whereas currently we, we have a we have to have oxygen and and all of this, you know, all of these things that happen and the blood that pulses through our veins and we have this certain mode of locomotion, he called it. But it, he surmised that in the resurrection body we would be energized by and the mode of locomotion would be light, the energy of, of light. Much of what he drew from comes from what we're going to look at here uh, today. Some interesting things to think about because even though John does the best that he can do, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, he is describing things that are indescribable. 
So it's just enough for us to think about and ponder upon and eagerly anticipate. He's in the, he's been projected in the spirit into another age that for us hasn't occurred yet, the new heaven, the new earth. He saw the holy city, the, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. He said that it was adorned as a bride. Now you have to carefully consider the metaphorical use of the descriptions. And this is where translation and exegesis can be tricky. And even the best of conservative scholars can disagree because, you know, how, how metaphorical should we get? Now, when we get to this part of the revelation, this is where you really struggle with it. You know, but you have to keep in the back of your mind that John is seeing a creation that for us hasn't even been created yet. He's in another dimension. He's in another realm that is totally and absolutely unknown to us. And just before his being taken into this vision, this presence unknown to him as well. And so the Holy Spirit guides him to use the best language that can be used for us to be for us to presently understand his experience. So, here we go. And one of the seven angels having the seven bowls being full of the seven last plagues, you remember those guys, came and spoke with me saying, come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Now, the bride, of course, remember in the greater context of everything that we're looking at, the application is to be made to the city. So, the Lamb has pre pre prepared the dwelling place for his wife. So we have to, we have to understand that we're, we're looking at some things relative to the bride, but with respect to the new Jerusalem. I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. Now this is the ultimate tour of what I call home. So here we go. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. All right. I'm learning something else here. And it is this, that on the new earth, there are mountains. There is one in particular that apparently is higher than all other mountains 
And he carries, this, this angel carries John in the spirit to a great and high mountain. So John is taking a view of the holy city from a high, high mountain. And the holy city apparently is at some distance at this point right here. Because he wants John to get the full effect of the city before he moves him closer and into more detail of the city. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. It's a valid question. There's a new heaven, there's a new earth. The lake of fire is situated where it can be in the presence of the holy angels and of the Lamb. But obviously with a great gulf fixed between where the saints are and where the lake of fire is. And you have the holy city near Jerusalem. So the new earth and the new heaven, the new universe, freshly made from the hand of God, we got to watch it. We got to see God create the new heaven and the new earth. And now, here's the prize. The holy city, Jerusalem. It's descending. I remember we, the Bible has taught brief previously about this city that it, it is, it, it, it's a maker and ruler. God makes it, designed it. Christ promised to prepare a place for us. So now this is being introduced to the new earth. It's coming down out of heaven from God, from the presence of God, having the glory of God. John recognized this Shekinah glory of God that is peculiarly God's. Christ prayed in John 17 that the Father would restore the glory to him that he had from before the world ever was. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, the three disciples caught a glimpse of the brilliance of the glory of the Son of God. So here is something, and in the Old Testament, you know, Moses, you can't, you can't look at my face. You can look at the backside of my glory as I pass by. So there's, there is something utterly profound and far beyond anything that can be found anywhere else, and that is the glory that belongs to God. So we're going to keep this in mind, this city 
that is coming down from God out of heaven. It's descending upon the new earth. It's going to serve really as the capital city of the new creation. The radiance of it was like a most precious stone, like a jasper being clear as crystal. Now, in the old culture, a jaspis, a jaspis, in the old that was a diamond. Clear as crystal means perfect diamond, flawless diamond. So, from his vantage point, far enough away that he could see the whole city in a panoramic view. What he noted was the glory of God and the radiance of the city obviously reflecting the glory of God that was being reflected to him at that vantage point from what appeared to be a diamond, a diamond city. That's the way he was seeing it at this moment. He becomes clearer as the angel carries him closer and brings him into the city itself. Having a great and high wall, having 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels, and names having been inscribed, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. So there were 12 gates, and each gate had a name. Each gate was named after a particular son of Israel, one of the 12 sons, 12 tribes. Because they were actively involved in the purpose of God that brings us to the glory of the holy city, New Jerusalem. So, all right, here we are, a walled city, 12 gates, angels posted, an angel posted at each of the 12 gates, and each gate was named after the particular sons of Israel. On the east three gates, north three gates, south three gates, the west three gates, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And in them, the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Apparently, I did a little research sometime back when I, at some point in time, taught the book of the Revelation. And in, in the ancient cities that were walled and, and so forth and had the residence of the king on the inside, foundation stones would be their strongest and deepest and biggest at the gates and at the corners. So apparently, from a corner to a gate, from a gate to a gate, from a gate to a corner, all the way around, 12 massive foundation stones, each one named for an apostle of Christ, of the Lamb. Now, 
One could reflect on the meaning of the names of the tribes of Israel and how it was befitting for these gates to be named after them. And the work of the 12 apostles, the lives of the 12 apostles and what their lives meant to that city and those who are in that city that, that therein is the Old and New Testaments. So he sees these things and the one speaking with me had a golden measuring reed so that he could measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city lies four square. Some people will tell you, well, it's a great pyramid or whatever. It's not what it says. It says it's four square, which means that the four sides would have to go up straight. Its length was the same as its width, and he measured the city with the reed at 12,000 stadia. Its length and breadth and height are equal. 12,000 stadia is about 1,400 miles. So here's a city coming down out of heaven from God. It is going to rest on the surface of the new earth and this city is 14, the walls are at the 1,400 miles this way, 1,400 miles this way, 1,400 miles this way, this way, and this way. 1,400 miles. Now for him to have seen this city from, from a vantage point at a great high mountain, how far away would he have had to have been? I don't know. It's hard to say, but he'd have had to been maybe 3,000 miles. I don't know how far he'd have to be. But he saw the whole city at once coming down. The angel answered the question before it was ever asked. How big is that thing? Its length, its breadth, its height are all the same. And each one at 12,000 stadia, 1,400 miles, about, about 1,400 miles. Equal all the way around, four square. So he measured its wall, 144 cubits, the measure of a man that is of the angel. Okay, the wall is 1,400 miles high. and about 85 yards thick. Diamond wall, perfect, flawless. At least that was the material that John thought of. It was as a jasper. Now, heaven's diamond, who can only imagine? A wall, 1,400 miles high, 85 yards thick, and each wall having three gates. All right, so we're reminded here by the Holy Spirit, an inch to a man is an inch to an angel. That's what he's saying. It's the measure of a man, which is the same as the measure of an angel. So it wasn't like, you know, I'm in a land of giants and, and I don't know what a heavenly reed would, would measure. Well, it's just easy, we're told. It's the same thing that's the measure of a man. So a man could get a grip on, on the size of this thing. 
Now, the structure of its wall was jasper. And the city, pure gold, like clear glass. Now, there's that word like. That can be, it's like a metaphorical term. He's, he's saying, you know, best, I want, best thing I know is to tell you this. It's gold, but it's clear glass. So, so the emanation, the radiance from the wall, the foundations, all that, it emanates with a light. It's like pure gold, but it's, 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 it's like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city having been adorned with every precious stone. And so he describes, I'm not going to get into a deep description of these stones, but here we go. The first foundation, Jasper, the second, Sapphire, the third, Chalcedony, the fourth, Emerald, the fifth, Sardonyx, the sixth, Sardius, the seventh, Chrysolite, the eighth, Beryl, the ninth, Topaz, the tenth, Chrysopras, the eleventh, Jacinth, and the twelfth, Amethyst. Now that's a color spectrum that creates an aura of beauty that we, we cannot imagine. The foundation, the foundation of the wall of the city. So the wall rests upon these 12 foundations each one a magnificent color as a precious stone or gem. Now, just, just when you think you have to sit down and think about this, the 12 gates are described. And the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each one of the gates respectively was one pearl. And the street of the city gold, pure as transparent glass. All right, so. Equally distanced one from the other and the first two from the corner and the one in the middle. Three gates, each gate a single pearl. The kingdom cities of John's day built the gates to their cities a third as high as the wall. So if the wall is 1,400 miles high, the gate is 500 miles high. And it's the measurement of a man. And its gate is one pearl. A pearl 500 miles high, 12 times. John Phillips in his commentary makes a beautiful observation. He says, a pearl is never formed unless what produces the pearl is wounded and bleeds. 
And when the little creature is injured, wounded, and bleeds, it responds to that by encircling the place where it was wounded with material that becomes a pearl. Using that beautiful thought, one would be reminded that you can never get into that city except for the one who was wounded, the Lamb of God. And then there's the thought of a 500 mile high round pearl that's a gate. What makes a pearl? Oyster, clam, oyster? So I, I heard this guy in his sermon, he said, one guy said, what a pearl. He said, that's not the issue. What, a, what an oyster. Pure, the city, the street of the city, gold street. It's in the singular. It's interesting. It's in the singular. So a city that makes its way through a city, I mean, I'm sorry, a street that makes its way through a city that is 1,500 miles or 1,400 miles high, wide, and deep. And it's considered to be one street. Pure gold, but like transparent glass. Now he's in a new earth and he is observing probably material that we don't know anything about. God's material, heaven's material, material, building material of the new heaven and the new earth. The most precious of materials. This translucent gold that is radiant, a street that goes everywhere. We're going to learn more about this street. We won't, we won't get there tonight. Pure as transparent glass. So John is on a tour now. He's close enough that he has observed the gates, the foundation stones, the walls. He got the measurement of the place. And now, if you, I mean, you, know, if you could imagine walking into this place. And I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty is its temple and the Lamb. What was the meaning of the temple? What is the meaning of the temple in, in a sense? The meaning of the temple in, in the heaven prior to the Revelation chapter 20 and in the Old Testament and even in the millennial time and in the uh, seven-year tribulation, what, what was the purpose of the temple? It was to afford to God's people a place for required rituals to be performed so that the people of God could be in the presence of God and the presence of God could be in the midst of his people. That was the purpose of the temple. 
and all the way even into the millennial kingdom and even into that heaven that we read about prior to the Revelation 20, there was a lot of sin and sin was still being dealt with. And as a matter of fact, one of these, this, one of the, the angel that is taking him around and giving him a tour is one of the angels who poured out the bowl of wrath and it came out from the temple of God. So the thing that he noted as he went through the city was there was no temple in the city. Here is holy New Jerusalem coming to rest on the new earth. It is the dwelling place of the saints of God and there is no temple. Why? Because we are absolutely forever in the immediate presence of God and He is our temple in that sense. We don't need a structure or rituals anymore. And the city has no need of the sun nor of the moon that they should shine in it for the glory of God enlightened it and its lamp is the Lamb. Now everything that I see in this city is designed to reflect a source of great light, the glory of God. The saints of God will be shining with the presence of God, possessing in a special way the presence of God, reflecting the presence of God, the, the beautiful multicolored foundation, the incandescent gold, the, the magnificent walls that are diamond, and all it can do is reflect and refract and express the glory of God. It is such a glorious, wonderful light that there is no more need of the sun nor of the moon. Now it doesn't say that the sun doesn't exist and it doesn't say that a moon doesn't exist. It just says there's no need for it in the New Jerusalem, in the holy city. No need for it. Because the glory of God and the lamp who is the lamb. Now in his study, I mentioned Weist earlier. Kenneth Weist. Uh, this was one of his major studies in his Greek study with regard to light. Being that which energizes us and enlivens us and gives us this intimate. You see, the term bride speaks of an intimate relationship. And it tells us that there is this intimate relationship between the people of God and our God and who He is. He, he imparts to us. And we live in this light and in this glory. Now he further describes this 
And the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day for night will not be there. Night will not be there. Now here's an interesting thought. Nations. Well, now you have the bride, you have the lamb, you have the angels. The bride lives in the New Jerusalem. But nations and kings are bringing their glory into it. Now here's the new earth. I don't know how big it would be. It must be a pretty big planet because... <laughs> A, a, a capital city that is 1,500, 1,400 miles square takes up a lot of space. But here you have nations and kings bringing their glory into it. Does that mean that they live outside Jerusalem? Or are they redeemed in some way? I've, I've read all kinds of things. The play on the word nations is important and the fact that they they don't claim any glory or any honor they they only they only bring it to the lamb to the to the new to the new Jerusalem and so they're always you can always go in and out the gates are never shut there's never any night there so who are those guys it's an interesting question and I've read all kinds of ideas about who they are. Some say, well, maybe the pre-flood saints who died before the time of the flood. It's an interesting thought. Then you had Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't really fit into the Old Testament, especially among Old Testament saints, but he did get saved. So is it guys like him? I don't know. What about the people who didn't die in the tribulation and they are still alive when everything is dissolved. What about those? Are, are they, is that, is this who? Don't know. So don't tell anybody that I don't know, but I don't know. I will find out, however, and will report to you if you're still interested. You may find out for yourself. Gates never shut. The night is never there. They'll bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Here's a reminder. The Lord's saying, don't you think that I, didn't, I let anybody slip in among these nations? You could say Gentiles, I guess, same word. Just so that you'll understand. They're purified. They're glorious ones, just like the rest of us. And anything defiling and those practicing abomination and a lie will never enter into this place. Only those having been written in the book of life of the Lamb. So, whoever these people are, they are written in the book of life. Some interesting things to ponder upon. Still going to learn more about New Jerusalem. Next time, but we'll stop right here. Let's pray. Father God, how we love you. We thank you for your precious word. 
for the glorious and wonderful description of our home and all that it means to us. I pray, oh God, that you'll bless us in our lives here, keep us from harm and from want and from sickness. Give us healing in our sickness and blessing in our lives. Bless those who are sick and who are suffering and who are bereaved among our congregation. Fill them with your spirit and help us to keep our eyes on Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith in whose name we pray, amen.